You're listening to The Comedy Cellar, live from the table on the Riotcast Network, riotcast.com. Good evening, everybody. Welcome to The Comedy Cellar Show here on Sirius XM Channel 99. We're here at The Comedy Cellar, of course, with uh, Dan Natterman, as always. Uh, uh, we're very, very proud to have Mr. Ron Bennington of Sirius XM Radio. Are you on Channel 99? What channel? I, uh, we, we're just moving. We were on Channel 99, now we're going to be on Faction. I think that's 106. Faction? Faction, yeah. This is the same place Jim Norton and uh, Sam are. Oh, you're leaving us behind. And Mr. Jared Freed. Great to be here. Thank you for having me. <laughs> Totes preach. You, you have a Snapchat game show? I got a Snapchat game show, yeah. And uh, he <laughs> just came back from Vegas. So go ahead, Dan. We'll- now, Jared, I want you to be brutally honest with Noam because you're not doing him any favors by lying. Tell him how you, how you might improve the gig, what was good about the gig, what was bad about the gig. The gig was fun. Oh, yeah, um, yeah. It got, the crowds got bigger every night. Um, I think the the positives you heard were that it's a lot of locals, and that's very hard to do in Vegas. Mm-hmm. Everyone that walked out, the one thing they said, they couldn't believe how great the show was beginning to end. And I think that was a surprise for a lot of the people. Did you get that a lot? Um, I didn't hear those precise words, but everybody I, seemed happy with the show, that's for sure. I got a lot of that where people go, I usually go to shows in Vegas, and sometimes the show's... It doesn't. It's not good throughout, and I think they were excited that it was always. They were surprised at the level of talent that it was a good show throughout the show. I think um, it's all. I think for the comics' perspective, it, it'd be great to be with people that you knew or were friends well, we, yeah, with. We've Are you saying you weren't happy there with Natterman? I loved Natterman. I was. I was. Uh, I was. <laughs> I, was the only, I was the only one. Him and I at the pool. We were who, hanging. Who else was there that week? We had a great crew. But I'm saying it matters. Doesn't it I, sound like you had a great crew. It did. It was a great crew. But Why we said we would. De- Des Bishop, Ruth. Uh, not Ruth. Uh, Kathleen. Kathleen. Dun- I'm thinking of the Dunbar. character. Yeah. Ruth Bader Ginsburg. No, I think of Ruth Dunbar was a character in Bosom Buddies, I think. Right. And uh, so, listen, Dan loves to talk about Vegas. I'm not sure why he's, uh, he's, he loves this well, Because subject. this is, again, I have to explain it to you every time, but um, the, the, our regular listeners, this is like a, a, a drama. Oh, they're opening up a club in Vegas. How's it doing? I don't know. What's going on? What do you think? I don't, I don't yet, think you, they care. And yet you, you, you always question whether this is interesting, and yet you'll drone on about some arcane uh, <laughs> tax code change that Trump wants to institute, and you think that's just hunky-dory. Natty Light saying this is a personal but thing. I, I, and especially now... We all right, both now, be wrong. Now, now, you said nice things about the gig, but now really let Noam have it. I mean, there's nothing <laughs> to have it about. There's nothing, I thought it was... The room is great. It sets up great. I had a great time. Um, I think someone needs to be empowered there to like direct traffic in the crowd. I think that's the one thing. Someone has to have the power to say to a group, "Hey, keep it down," or you know, there's got to be someone that's uh, you know like the the lead. Yeah, we we we, we it, it, we've had. I, mean, I know, know that's tough to do. I, you know. it's, not, it's not a problem every night. We, not every night. From no. time to time is a problem. From time to time is a problem here too. But sure. Um, in in Vegas, uh, Ronald like this because he's liberal. That we have a big union problem. Yeah. And we are literally not allowed to say anything. Yeah. To the to the people and to the waitstaff. To the waitstaff. And the waitresses are not allowed to be asked to tell a customer 
to keep it down. It's it, well, there was one night that was like the one night that I'm thinking of, and there was a group, a big group, yeah. and I, you know, spoke to them all on stage. I like made fun of them to get them to be quiet a little bit, but they, you know, and then I went, got done with my set, and Natterman was on stage, and I went to one of the security guys, and I go, "You should really go say something," and he was like, and he kind of shook his head. And then just and went back to his iPhone. Yeah, went back to not doing anything. So it felt like he didn't even have the. It, he needed the uh, the go ahead at some point, and it wasn't going to be for me. You know? I, this is. I mean, I'm probably not supposed to talk about it publicly, but this is a problem, and I I, I, I don't know what to do about it. Yeah. Anyway, but but uh, yeah. But that's the one thing. That was the one thing, and that I would like. But no one ever policed the room during Frank Sinatra's days. I find this hard to believe. That's when right? the mob, when the mob ran things, well, yeah. it ran. Yeah. When times were good. So I could go like to a Tom Jones show and just start yelling shit out. No. And nobody would be allowed to say anything. Well, the truth is, I, I don't think, if you correct me wrong, I don't think it, it, it's so blatant as somebody yelling, just yelling out. Because I right. think then they would descend on him. It's the kind of in between where like, they're kind of talking right. too loud. But I think it was all positive. You know, it was like a positive loudness. Like they're enjoying themselves. They were literally enjoying themselves. You need somebody to stop the laughter. Stop the laugh. It was too much laughter during my set, Noam, is really the issue. Well, we have that problem a lot here. <laughs> well, sometimes they can be enjoying themselves, uh, but still. Talking too yes, loud. Yes, that you know. was kind of you know it's like ambient noise where they're discussing a bit. Yeah, well, there's two things. First of all, I have to say that all the shows that I haven't seen that problem, and I've seen okay. a lot of shows out there. Just, just yeah, so you yeah. know. But uh, the room was designed to be very loud for laughs. Oh, it is. And that may be a double-edged sure. sword, as they say. Yeah. So it also might make just like a because the laughs are really loud. They like, hit really you. loud. Yeah yeah, 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 yeah. That is noticeable there. So, um, and but I don't know. So anyway. What, uh, go ahead. I just had one other uh, uh, Comedy Cellar-related uh, yes, point to make. Um, I noticed last week and this week there's shows around the corner at the Village Underground at 6 p.m. Is that a new thing? This is a new this thing, is, Dan. <laughs> this is, <laughs> this <laughs> seems like it was written down. <laughs> for, for you uh, people on the edge of your seat <laughs> new of the Comedy Cellar drama, you're now going to know why we have... Added extra shows at Fridays and Saturday nights because um, when Jeff Ross and David Tell were doing their Netflix special last week, uh, they wanted to do they wanted more time or whatever it was, and we didn't know how to fit it in. I said, well, let's just try a six o'clock show, and if it doesn't work, it doesn't work. Yeah. Because I wanted to make sure that Jeff and Dave had with it, and sure enough, it sold out. Shit. And I said, shit, if we can do a six o'clock show, we can fit four shows in in the underground now Fridays and four shows Saturdays. So we're gonna try it. It's, of course, it's broad delight at that hour here in the summertime. But, I mean, so, the, is, the, brunch. so is brunch. Yeah. And then also the, the Village Underground especially, the vibe there is very, like, nighttime no matter when you're down there. Yeah, when you go to a basement, you forget. Yeah. Like, like yeah. you go to a movie theater, you know. Plus the music. It's a it's a cool vibe. I, I, and 6 o'clock, that feels like... I've done shows on the road at 6 o'clock where they've done that, and... They ended up being the best crowd of the weekend. To be honest, we need the money to help pay for the losses in <laughs> Vegas. <laughs> I'm not, I'm not even One kidding. boat floats another. <laughs> I literally thought to myself, you know. Uh, well, we'll never <laughs> look. Even if Noam's making money in Vegas, we're not. We're never going to know it, because Noam, like, like business owner. Yeah, but you'd say it in, because you can't deny it here. It's so obvious. No, I would but you'll say, look, we do okay. We what do is okay. with Jews? Like, look, you, why do you all? Like, he's got to he, count the money in your wallet. I'm not counting money. Well, well, I, I'm not counting money. Can you put Dan in touch with your accountant I, I, I and just let him know about what, this stuff? I'm not business. counting money. I'm saying, you but know, why, you why, seem to downplay the, the <laughs> rivers of cash that are flowing into this place. <laughs> which, Estuaries. I don't, or, I don't no, say that with... with Natterman with, just wants to chill. see the tax return. Listen. I don't want to see anything. I'm happy for no. I'm going to okay. tell you quite honestly. 
the seller, the comedy businesses, where we, you know, we buy low, sell mm. high, buy jokes low, sell them high. Buy, jo- buy low, sell high, they're doing very, very well. Yeah. The olive tree is a money pit. Is it? It's a money pit. No, well, Jared is skeptical. Look at, no, I mean, it's, it's a wonderful no. place, but we, we charge very little for, the, for sure. the food and drink and whatever. And, and it's, it is a lot of very high costs. And the Fat Bob Pussycat does okay. But I wouldn't be able to like really live on it with my family. But it does all right. And Vegas is losing a lot of money. But as we expected, we have to pay back all the costs and everything. Right yeah. The, so, but the Vegas audience, like you know, are you happy with the yeah, business, growth business so far? Business is actually better than we thought it would be. I, because yeah. a lot of the people, the feedback they get is that this doesn't happen. Like a lot of people were very excited to see how many locals. Yeah. That was a big deal to them. Yeah. And also, what you don't even realize is that. How big a deal paying for parking is in Vegas? Yeah, I know. And the fact that they have free parking at the Rio helps to get people now, can, there. Can I, tell you, can I tell you a Ron Bennington story? Mm, sure. So, I was. This is it's like this is a huge relief to me. So I I was doing the lineups with Esty. Yeah. For Vegas. For, no, for New York. Okay. And I saw Ron Bennington was like, I don't know, three four spots or something. I said, Ron is Ron is doing stand up, and he's like, yeah. And I said, listen, has anybody ever seen Ron? Like, has anybody ever seen him do stand-up before? And they're like, you said you love him. I said, yes, I've heard him on the radio. I yeah. think he's fantastic. But, but I never saw him do stand-up. And I, and I mean, I know various people who are really good. Like, we know some people who are really, really funny, but they die on stage. So I, so I frantically go to YouTube to try to find a Ron Bennington stand-up set. Yeah. Nothing. There's some, there's some stuff with him. Elusive. Doing- well, there's some stuff with him doing like uh, conversations with you know what he what I know that he, he he's awesome at. Mm. I said, oh shit, Esty, this is what the fuck have you gotten me into here? Because <laughs> if he doesn't do well, then we have a major diplomatic sure issue on our hands, like major. But he killed. Yeah. Well, I, I saw him on brunch. Killed there too. Killed. I, I told Dan that. I go, what could be easier? Them walking up and doing stand-up. Remember we talked about that did the you, other day. Did, we, did you? Yeah, it was at the brunch show. And I go, you just walk up there, you think of funny things, and you say it. That's right. What's so, <laughs> so simple? What is so hard about that? You're I don't know right. why yeah. comedians whine. Like, oh, I don't know. what. Just go up, think yeah. of something funny, and everybody will laugh. That's it. Simple. It's pretty simple. <laughs> it's like Steve when you Martin. put it that way. Yeah. <laughs> you just walk up, and you're like, oh, I just thought of this. Yeah. Isn't this funny? Sure. And then everybody starts laughing and clapping. Yeah, it seemed to work pretty well at brunch. Yeah, I no, saw no. <laughs> and, and, and there's nothing about that story that that you find insulting or anything, right? Because you, no. You, no. But I mean, like, I was really worried of what am I going to do? But but it, killing, killing, murdering. So, so yeah, <laughs> it, no, it's true. So my question is, why haven't you been doing stand up? Why why haven't you been performing here in the last ten years? Um, I stayed away from nightclubs for a, a long time because of. Uh, you know, my addictive personality. Ah. And now I'm at the point like, yeah. Well, people asked me to come back and, and do stuff, so I did that. But, yeah, when I, when I used to, I had my own club in Florida. And it was uh, not the best for me at the time. But even then, you just walk up. And Dan knows this. It's the easiest thing in the world. You walk <laughs> up, you say funny things, and everybody starts laughing and clapping. Yeah, anyone can do it. Anybody. Anybody. One of the reasons I got out of the music club in the underground... And, and I don't have an addictive For our person. listeners, by the way, uh, he, uh, uh, Ron is, is kidding. No. No. Are you not kidding? No. no. <laughs> well, and I don't have an addictive personality. Yeah. Nevertheless, the routine of going, having drinks, whatever yeah. it is, I, I, 
I knew this was, as I'm getting older, I said, well, you know, this is not going to be good for me in my 50s, you know. Yeah. Mm. And it was one of the reasons I decided to get away from it. I was like, I just needed a couple drinks to get through the night. You get into the schedule of it. You just get, you just get in that routine, you know. Yeah. It, it's insidious. Yeah. It's the same way people get hooked on painkillers or whatever it is. So I, I, I know what you're saying. Yeah, and, uh, and I literally after, like, I wanted to, you know, get when I got sober, it was a little too difficult for me. I'm too easy to go, you know what? Maybe you're right. Yeah. Maybe, you know. So you're worried about it now that you're back? No, I don't think that I am right now. But I, I do stay conscious of it well, all the time I think about it. But also, uh, comedians do not do the kind of drugs that they used to do. You know what I mean? Comedians used to party really hard every night. And oh, there's, yeah. a, there's a whole younger generation that just focuses on their career, which was not the reason to get into comedy. Years ago. So I've had, maybe you can tell, I've had this situation before where somebody I knew was on the wagon or whatever it is, yeah. and, or, and, or they're cutting down and, and they're kind of holding it together for a while, and all of a sudden I see them with a drink. They're back. They're yeah. back. So what do you do? What do I do? What is, what well, is, Ron, you write your living will, if you will, mm -hmm. or a power of attorney, <laughs> or yeah. what is Noam authorized to do to stop you from drinking? No, I, uh, I uh, you know, I'm a person who thinks it's, it's up to each person to do whatever they do. I mean, you know, you're not going to slap chocolate cake away from somebody because they have diabetes or something. Well, you know? I would if they asked me to. Really? If, if you... Well, if they said to me, Dan, I really would appreciate it if every time you see me with the chocolate cake, like, like that episode of the Flintstones where Fred went to that group where they said, if we see you with food, we're going to take it out of your mouth. Yeah, but that was the Flintstones. I, That's, uh, I, I mean, I, I, have you, do you with, have a I'm friend with, like that? I'm with no, Ron. I, have, I let yeah. the werewolf right out of the closet at midnight. Yeah, he no, asked me to let him yeah. out. I let him out. But you, you promised. No, yeah. that's okay. <laughs> if, if, if Ron, if you want me to... <laughs> this happened to me, actually. I, was on, I, was, I went back to Penn State with a bunch of like old college buddies. One of the guys came back. He was like, I'm not drinking. We're like, good for you. We're happy for you. And then he started drinking non-alks. He got through six of them. Mm -hmm. And then we're at the bar later that night, and I bought a bunch of shots. And then all of a sudden, he's taking one of the shots. And people are like, what the fuck are you doing, man? And I was like, that's not my responsibility. He's an adult. He made the decision. This is what I'm well, saying. If he says to you with no uncertain terms, if you see me, me with if you one. see me with a drink, you are authorized to use uh, all necessary force. That's a person that's not ready to be back at the at, in the surroundings to me. Like that, that's a well, person that, that, that shouldn't be. But I'm that's just not your responsibility. You're not their parent. No, but you're but you're concerned. Of course, I would offer Ron that service if he wants if he wants it. I don't think that you would be able to keep drugs well, and alcohol behind, away from me. It probably not. I think I would be able to say, Dan, stop it. Well, I, and I went through this kind of thing with, with a musician one time who was drinking and drinking, and I, I loved him. He was drinking like a whole bottle or, or more of Jameson a night, and finally, and you know, and, and alcohol was free for them. Mm -hmm. So then I said, well, no more free. You're going to have to pay for your alcohol. Okay. And then I was making a fortune off this guy. No, <laughs> and, but, but he didn't cut back. Yeah. So finally I said, I'm not giving you any more alcohol. I think I felt like a drug dealer. Yeah. So he brought a flask. Yeah. So it, it well, was that's, Utah. Thing, that's kind of what, you, what you're saying is like, yeah. you know, you tell you tell a friend to hit it at your hand. You're just displacing the blame. You that's know exactly that you're right. not going to be able to do it. Like if you have to say that to a friend, you're a bad friend because you're making them partly responsible that's for your Jared problem. Fried, I, now, back in your frat days, you tell me you never said to your friend, dude, do not let me fuck this chick. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, then he, he shook his head and he said, I mean, yeah, no, I got you, buddy. And then all of a sudden, I'm, I'm knee-deep in a fat chick. I don't think Jared Fried has ever said those words. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to fuck this chick. That's, that's always my motto. So I was I'm, on my feed today. Just, just before I see you, I saw two headlines. I said, what is, what is going on here? The first headline is, this is, 
Sarah Huckabee Sanders continues her white tears tour despite being Satan's mouthpiece. <laughs> Whoa. It's a then harsh one. <laughs> Michelle, the next, next, uh, Mich- my next thing on my feed. And this is Jezebel. This is a you know pretty major. Uh, Jezebel's. But it's but That's it's a but feminist it's, rag. It's very okay, very. But it's, not, uh, but it's not Screw Magazine. Anyway, um, Michelle Wolf compares Ivanka Trump to her Ivanka Trump to herpes, which is rude to herpes. I don't like. <laughs> oh my. What what has come of what are we living in now? Well, this is Jezebel. Think about this whole, no. Uh, are those both Jezebel? No, one is Jezebel and the other one is the root. But I'm just but but they're on my the feed. So, oh, yeah, so they're, they're great. so they're <laughs> a good band. So yeah. it's um you know, it's ubiquitous. It's 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 a serious distribution here. I, I don't have any like a boutique feed. Well, I, I think Michelle Wolf is joking. She's telling a joke. And the other one was what, Sarah Sanders? Yeah, they, no, but I'm, Michelle Wolf's joke is then taken and made into uh, something about her. Something piece. about no, I, I think you're not. But but the he, to say that's the headline. Yeah, yeah. The, 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 the Michelle's a comedian. She says whatever she wants. Sure. And Jezebel said she actually under. It's actually rude to herpes. Yeah. Like, like it's so fucking mean, it's, right? And, and Sarah Huckabee Sanders. First of all, the, the the entitlement to say anything about anybody white, right, is is obviously troubling to anybody who wants to think about anything with any kind of rigorous logic. Uh, Sarah Huckabee Sanders continues her white tears toward despite being Satan's mouth. And I'm just thinking that we really are in a new time and place. And I, I think there is something to this whole civility thing. I think we gotta we gotta pull it back a little bit. I, I, well, where do you think it started? Um, it didn't start with Trump, although he uh, certainly uh, Trump is a he's a shit stirrer every single day. You know what I mean? You can't get around the fact that. He works like a shock jock. He looks for a fight every day. Okay, but the earliest I can remember this was George Bush when they they had the commercials of him like with the lynching, and then there was demonstrations in here where they had pictures of him with Hitler mustaches and swastikas. And actually, even before that, they were talking about Bill Clinton killing Vince Foster and right. uh, the it, internet. It, You're going back as far as the internet where everybody said it, but people have said it back since the beginning and, of and, this and, country. And they Politics were horrible to ugly. Obama. Yeah, but um, if you're saying that a tit then justifies a tat, mm. I, I don't I don't buy that. Just because Trump was a, is a jackass, that I don't see why you, that turns a person with class into a classless person. To to say that I mean, did Ivanka Trump say something like that? Did Sarah Sanders? I mean, well, uh, I I don't know. I I, th- I think I don't. We got to put this genie back in the bottle. It, it's it's not good for the country. I mean, I don't. I Trump. If they said it just about Trump, I'd be like, well, listen. Yeah. But Andy's the president. I, I don't know. I, it, it feels like anyone who writes these things are too emotional to have the conversation to fix anything. Like, on both sides. It's too much emotion. There's no, you know, math to it. Well, and, and to be clear, you know, I'm not... The, I mean, Trump made fun of the guy with a disability, and he made fun of John McCain. He's, he's, he said he totally lied about Obama and the birther thing. I mean, it's horrible... Right. Horrible resume of things. But see, that's the thing. It's like if you... Like I say, he's like a shock jock. You know what I mean? So... Yeah. That's going to take that level where you are every day. You know what I mean? You just even if you agree with everything that he's doing, you know that he starts shit every day. That's just his thing. I just wonder. Maybe this is ridiculous. I I had a thought that there's a lot of people who have a lot of bitter angriness inside them. Yeah. And if you give them a pretext where they can kind of dress it up as virtue, they really fucking show the nastiness inside well, them. And, and, I, and I, as, as whatever it is that Trump said that was uncivil, I think there is something about those people who are coming back with such vileness, which has something about 
what they're carrying around inside them. I mean, I, I've never had that urge to... Well, look at the woman who called the police on the girl with the water bottles, selling the water bottles. Like, that woman I, I don't know that story. Tell the story. Woman called the police on a little girl, nine-year-old. She was selling waters outside for two bucks of water. A little expensive. But I... Uh, <laughs> <laughs> but I... Uh, she called the police on her and then got caught in video calling the police on a little kid because she didn't have permits. And everyone's like, this woman is obviously an annoying... Pain in the ass. Feckless cunt. I know. Yeah, feckless cunt. She's <laughs> my old f phrase that I always used. Uh, but, you know, she's obviously someone that's not someone you would ever want to be talking to or whatever. The internet got a hold of this video and they ruined this person's life is done. Like, everyone went on. That happens every day now. Just, every just, day somebody is on the wrong side of something. But all you had to do is go to any news story and read the comment section. No matter what the news story is, people are not terrific. You know what I mean? They are ugly most Horrible. of the time. Yeah, it doesn't. It isn't even political things that this stuff always comes up with. As but, a matter of fact, I remember just before. I think pretty sure it was before Trump won. Amy Schumer had something on. On the internet, I remember was, and I remember the comments were just horrible yeah, about it. Hers get, yeah, hers, hers get, get comments that are like, like depressing. Yeah. Like you can't believe that someone has this type of hate for oh, anyone. And then the, the founder of Vox.com ref refers to Ben Shapiro, who's an intellectual and always, you know, a high road guy. He doesn't say anything insulting to anybody. To, makes reasoned arguments. Conservative. He's allowed to be conservative. Sure. They compared him to the Jew that brought the other Jews onto the train. And this is a guy that works for Vox. It's a serious editor. Yeah. This is all hard. You can't blame that on Trump. Well, yeah, I mean, the, the fact is, like you're saying, that it doesn't... I mean, at some point, we would expect the president to, to take charge of that and try to bring people together. He but he is certainly a divider. Yes. He certainly says the other yeah. side. When he's the president of the United States, he refers to, the, to half the country as the other side. And I think a lot that what he did with... Well, Hillary called half the country deplorables. Yeah, but she wasn't the president of the United no, States no, but, at that but, point. But don't, but don't, don't downplay no, 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 that, no, because no. that's serious, too. No, but when you get to be the president of the United States, and yeah. you saw it in Obama, and quite frankly, I think you saw it in George Bush, where he was saying, I want to bring everybody together. Whether they mean it or not, you know what I mean? The most that we're talking about in manners is the way you speak in public, not the way you... Personally, I, you know, feel. I, I don't want. I'm not trying to argue because I because I actually agree with you. Yeah. I, I actually I totally agree with you. But, but what I don't want to do is uh, I I will not um, I can't concede that that in my mind is really relevant. I think people are using that as an excuse. That's what I'm saying. Yeah. They're, they're using that as a full excuse to just just say whatever the fuck they want about anybody. Yeah. And I I think it's horrible. I but just the, think the it's way horrible. the the way the internet works makes is also to blame for it because you don't get retweets for meh comments right only extremes get retweets that's the only way you get heard on the internet so what you read those titles make sense to me because if you're for that article you're clicking it if you're against that article you're clicking it if you're in the middle you don't but a lot of people aren't in the middle i think you're on to something well that's i mean that's I what's think going it is on the business model of of the clicks. I'm, using, yeah, I'm making the, click. the air quotes of journalism today. I just, which is that you got to get people to click. Well, you know, I you think a tweet, a horrible if, I, you model. can only love and hate to, on Twitter. You cannot be in the middle. You can't be. Oh, that movie was okay. Doesn't get a retweet. There that is movie, no money unless you can get people to click on. That it. movie fucking sucks. 
gets retweets. And I just know it because I've worked with a bunch of, I've worked with a bunch of companies like uh, web places that they go, okay, what's the title for this? And I'll be like, ah, it's called this. And they're like, that won't play. Yeah. We need a better title. We need a better title. And then you figure out, oh, I can keep. I've learned over the course of years writing on these like dude bro sites. I knew exactly what title. It wouldn't even be what the article. I once wrote a bar article called Top Ten Ways to to make sure to guarantee you'll fuck tonight. And then the whole thing was about how stupid the person was who clicked that article. You like you actually think I know oh. how to guarantee you a way to fuck? So it was just a trick playing on these whole like the clickbait thing that's going on. Like I, you I have do to think do there's that. a place for reason discourse. I mean, no one brought up Ben Shapiro, who's. I mean, I wouldn't say he's in the center, but but he's no, he's a, fairly he's a, well reasoned, and sometimes he sides with Trump, and sometimes he doesn't side with Trump. Well, I think radio podcast is really where is the best conversations are had because you can hear people weighing over things. You can hear us thinking about ben, ben Shapiro was a child genius. Okay, he gets up there and he debates with with uh, serious intellects in the country. He went to Harvard Law School. Yeah, he he was not pro-Trump. He softened a little bit on Trump because Trump's I think governed more conservatively than anybody expected him to. But there's no but to compare him to a Nazi, uh, more than a Nazi, but, but like a, a is, Jew traitor in the Nazis. And and this is by some this is th there's something gone wrong. Well, the point Fox I was no, making about Ben yeah. Shapiro is that he's his discourse is fairly reasonable, and he's not one side or the other, and he has a large large following. The point being is that. There is a plate. There is a market for non-extreme. Yeah, but discourse. That, but the guy calling him a Nazi sympathizer. Wait, all that <laughs> all that does yeah. is take his make anything that's nuanced of his. It makes him a Nazi. That takes well, you to, out to of the, the conversation. The people, a, it's a fair. It's an unfair fight method to the, to the people that I, I, listen to that. Ron wants to say something. But it, it's the reason why we're talking about Ben Shapiro now. You're not saying, "Hey, I've read Ben Shapiro. He's got some ideas I want to share with you." You know, what I mean, you're not going to do that. It just yeah. doesn't happen. On, on on any conversation, what has to happen is he either has to be attacked or is he attacking somebody before we talk about it. And then here's an irony: is that a guy? What, what was the name of the guy who got fired from uh, the Atlantic? Uh, 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 conservative writer, and it'll come to me because he had written something pro-abortion, pro-life, like 15 yeah. years earlier. He actually gets fired, like like a, a, making a logical argument that's pro-life. That's over the line, even if you did it 15 years ago. But saying these horrible Well, you better hope the posse's is not, not coming for you. That's the thing. Like, well, right now, there's there's people walking around with pitchforks and, and, uh, and you know, lit flames, and they're looking for people on the Internet to take down. Well, you can't he, get too successful. Lastly, Jared, lucky for you and I, uh, I our comedy name. acts don't necessarily delve in to no. the controversial stuff. You're more about... The chicks, <laughs> I think, right? And banging. Love banging, love chicks. Um, you yeah. know, and penis, farts, all the heady stuff. You know, and I, I <laughs> by design, I avoid, like, I have some interesting ideas, I think, about certain topics, but Ke I wouldn't Kevin necessarily Williams say them on stage because I'm trying to keep it. Yeah, but you thing. had a bit in Vegas that worked differently there than I've seen it here. How, what's the bit said? The bit you have about uh, not my president. Well, that but that bit but that became politicized based on how the audience yes, received that, it. that that works for any audience because well the bit is for the for the um, for the listeners. Is it doesn't get say, a lot of laughs. Where I say no. <laughs> where I say that you go online and people tweet about Trump. They tweet not my president, and I say but here's the thing though. Yeah, he is. And then I said it saying not my president is not going to 
change anything. If it actually worked every month, I'd say not my visa bill. Or if I go to the doctor, I'd say not my blood test results. But do you anyway. agree that got a different reaction there? Well, I where... agree that some people think that it's a pro-Trump joke. Sure. When I say, here's the thing, though. Yeah, he is. He is the president. And people that are pro-Trump might say, you're damn right he's a president. Yeah, yeah he's one. Two cowboy hats went thrown into the air. It was crazy. <laughs> <Yeah>. but, <laughs> Guy but got on his horse and giddy up. I, all I'm really saying is we're making the very uncontroversial proposition that Donald Trump is the elected president of the United States. I'm saying nothing more than that. But you sure. sound like a Nazi sympathizer to me. It just seems like you're walking Jewish children yeah. to the gas chamber. Yeah. Yes, like I, Jerry Lewis did <laughs> in the day the clown cried. But but uh, but that joke is purposely designed not to take any side. You know. Uh, and, no, I, I think it's a little bit pro-Trump in that joke. Yeah. It's only pro-Trump because the standards of being pro-Trump nowadays are so low. All you have to do is not, every time you mention the word Trump, spit. And you're pro-Trump. No, I'm going to tell you That's why. how low the standard is for being pro-Trump. It's pro If you can say Trump's name without barfing, you're considered a pro-Trump zealot. It's, it's pro-Trump in my mind because you are taking issue with the anti-Trump people who are saying it's not my president. And you're, and you're, and you're pointing out that that's ridiculous. You, you anti-Trumpers well, are, are saying something ridiculous. He yeah. is your president, so... That's why I see it as a sli well, I, slightly pro-Trump. Uh, oh, slightly anti-Trumpers. Anti Maybe very, very light. I mean, basically what I'm saying is he's president. So, so, but who's the brunt of that joke? It's the anti-Trumpers. They happen to be the brunt because yeah. they're saying something that is false. Right, right. Although I know what they, they don't mean it literally. They mean it figuratively when they say not my president. But in any case, basically I'm using it as a stepping stone to get to the part where I say not my blood test results. Hashtag never herpes. <laughs> Right. You know, that's... So, Ron, yeah. what is it... How does it feel to be back on stage doing stand-up? Yeah, it's fun. He's back, folks. That's well, it? It's fun, yeah. Well, how long have you not been doing stand-up? Oh, it's been, like, since the late 90s when I, when I got sober. And then I went back, I did some sets at the stand. It was Big J and Christine that were pulling me into shows, and it was, like, more and more fun. And then uh, a couple weeks ago, they uh, asked me to if I wanted to come here. I had no idea that you were so negative about it, though, Noam. It would have felt a lot more pressure when I came in. No, but of course, there's a lot of guys on the wagon, as Noam pointed out, and they, they, they come here. They come. They continue to do comedy. So now, so, sobriety is different for everybody. Yeah. You know what I mean? And like I said, I was in Florida. I had a big radio show, and it wasn't just alcohol. It was drugs and alcohol. Mm -hmm. And uh, you know, I needed some time to, you know. And then once I got away from it, I'm like, I'm doing radio. This is fun. You know what I mean? Like, my whole life has always, you know, just been fooling around like this. It, it so, all clicks me now because I can't tell you. When I first saw you, I'm like, yeah. I said, Ron Bennington is fantastic. Like, I remember, like, I, and I didn't understand. I said, why is he not famous? Like, so so I, I said, you were just kind of, you were, you were not being ambitious. Well, I've never really been ambitious anyway. You know what I mean? I've always done my own thing, and I've always had a, a show for a long time. So, you know, I've had a way to express myself. And what do I want to do? Go to Akron and do the weekend? You know what I mean? Like, it's not, that, that's never been all that interesting If you to me. had one uh, drink, one... Uh, <laughs> I mean, would you be off to the races? Are you saying you cannot have one drink? Well, I, 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 you know, I, yes. To be, but I actually, when my appendix burst, uh, I wouldn't take any morphine. And uh, the doctors were trying to talk me into it. And I'm like, dude, I'm fucking telling you right now, I'm not, I'm not going to do morphine. And they're like, you, you don't have to worry about it because we'll only give you enough for a couple of days. I go, 
I'm going to be a fucking different person in three days. And he goes, well, I won't subscribe. I don't need to get morphine from you. I know where to fucking get morphine. So people don't, you know, each thing you just have to say in your life, do I want, you know, what kind of life do I want to live? And I've already said to myself, I don't want to go back and get high anymore. Well, how did you deal with the pain with the appendix? It was fucking horrible. I passed out a couple of times. It was really, really difficult. And I've talked to people that are in the program. And they're like, dude, you can't do that. Sometimes that even leads you. But it, it, it was a burst appendix, and it happened right away. I didn't have time to call anybody and say, you know, coach me through this. I still don't know whether I... Here's what happened. At a, at a certain point, I said to my wife, I go, I can't you know, stand this pain anymore. I'm like four or five hours in. And I go, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to take the morphine. And she says, okay. And, uh, uh, and then I said, well, right away, I go, where's my, you know, my iPad? Because when the morphine, this is a swear to God, a true story. When the morphine drips, I'm going to hit it as sweet nothing from the El Velvet Underground comes on. So I'll time it exactly. And then I thought, what kind of fucking sane person would do that. That's an insane thought, right? You're in pain, but right away you're thinking, oh, isn't it going to be feel great when this is fucking falling backwards? So that's, I stopped myself again. Just didn't do it because I'm thinking like a fucking addict right away. Unbelievable. And, and when did, when, how old were you when you first got into this stuff? Uh, drugs, 14. 14. Yeah, it was is 14. Is it in your family? Is well... Yeah, I mean, it's not only in my family, but, you know, it was in my neighborhood. It was everybody that I ever knew. You know what I mean? Everybody partied, and I started doing drugs and drinking at a very early age. And when I look back on it now, I'm like, oh, right away, you drank like an alcoholic. You did drugs like a drug addict. Because quite know? often is it like a biochemical or genetic factor 100%, to this. 100%. Yeah, I think, yeah. It, I think it is. I can't. I mean, I have two drinks, and I'm already nauseous, and... Yeah, that's you like, know I can't. Uh, like my wife, who you know she she doesn't really drink, but I I know like if if, if she and I both have two drinks, yeah. I'm like oh I'm 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 great sweetheart, and she's like just getting started, like some, right. it like lights up in her that she and and she said to me in the old days she like I said well when do you feel like you've had enough? She goes I don't like this just she she always yeah. just wants another one you know so she stays away from it. L literally, I get nervous if I see somebody nursing. A drink. I'm just like... Yeah. And go. I have to believe that's just, you know, the way all sorts of drugs affect people differently. Yeah. Alcohol affects people differently. Well, people, I, I mean, some people call it a disease, but I do think it's like an allergy. I think it's the same way. Like if somebody says, I can't eat shrimp, you're not going to go, well, just have a little bit of shrimp. You know what I mean? And I, I don't know what it's like to start breaking out after I've eaten cherries or something or peanuts. But it happens to people. Ironically, I used to be allergic to shrimp, yeah. and I just ate a little, and, and yeah. I'm not allergic anymore. I think it that, actually went away. You know, that my lactose intolerance, I think, is gone. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I had ice cream the other night. No problem. Didn't have to run home. <laughs> you know what? You guys are right. I can start getting high. I really, <laughs> I really can get high. Thank you so much for this conversation. No, I, I'm not saying that you're going to no, get over your well, addiction. I know, like, I got over my <laughs> lactose uh, intolerance. Uh, but uh, in any case... Um, yeah, I had some ice cream. And oh, good for you, dude. No duty. Um, in any case. Um, Go ahead, Dan. What do yeah. you want to say? Well, I don't know. I thought maybe you had another topic. No, no. To anyway, so anyway, I, I just want to say I'm very, very happy, and I hope you're going to stay here permanently now at the cellar. 
Mm-hmm. And I, I, I want to see. I, I mean, I, I'm now that what I about know the whole backstory. I think this is terrific. Like, what about Vegas? We need good people out in Vegas. You is, know, if I I'll go to Vegas. What I'll do is book um, like a big interview out there, so that Sirius will send me off first class. Anytime you, know you I mean? want. So I always have to just book something wherever I want to go, or else I have to sit in the back like cattle. So you, you know? can you can do your show anywhere. Yeah, you can do your show anywhere, but. Uh, the only way I want to fly now is on their money. I don't want to... Well, no one would normally never, pay for your flight if you did the club out there. He's not going to put me in first class. No. I, I no, might if you can keep quiet about it. <laughs> <laughs> keep it between well, us. Well, I asked Noam... Because uh, um, what I was going to... Last week we were talking about how you should book the, uh, the Vegas room. Not last minute, but maybe two weeks in advance. Because comics might just happen to... David yeah. Tell might just say, Oh, I happen to have a free weekend. Normally I wouldn't, but yeah, it so yeah. happens. And... I don't think, um, I mean, looking at the schedule, it seems like it's booked out quite a ways. I don't know. I, I, it, it, Liz and Essie are, are, are taking care of a lot of that. But, and they're, they're going out to L.A. to see those people, too, right? Yeah. Gonna, yeah. yeah, that should be yeah. cool. But have you thought about, like, making an offer to, like, say, David Tell, for example? Say, Dave, you know, if you ever want to go to Vegas last minute, it's a I week. Think, I think Tell's going to do Vegas. He, he actually, he, he, he wants to come do Vegas. Okay. But, like, Michael, make, Michael Che is doing it next week. Make it known to people that are the people that draw, if you want. Hey, even if it's a week before, let us know, and we'll send you. If you'd be willing to do that. Absolutely, I'd be willing to do you that. Know, even if you had to have an extra person on the show, it would cost you more money, but that might be no, the I, only I, way to get big names is if it's last minute. I'm fine with that. And as a showcase club, a, a, a headliner club couldn't do that because if David Taylor were to do a headlining club, they'd want to know months in advance to promote, but... But a but a club using a showcase format. Well, a telling Jeff Ross already dropped in, right. and uh, you could have uh, drop in, you could have last in, minute yeah, shit. Yeah. You know, um, so it's a lot more flexible in that regard. Yeah. Anyway, what else? What else, Ron? What what's on your mind these days? Well, I'm I'm um, happy with life. I'm going to tell you the truth. He's going to grandpapa soon, right? Oh yeah, I'm going to be a grandfather in. Uh, by the end of this month, I'm How old be a grandfather. You? I'm 37. I'm a very uh, <laughs> beat up and beat down 37, but I stay with it. But uh, how old are you? your kids are? Still he's got, well, he's had six, late five, and one. Yeah, and he I'm 55. Late. Yeah, 55. Well, here's the thing: you'll never make it. I know. To be a grandfather. I know. Thanks. Uh, no, I think he will. <laughs> he's getting eat with me for for. A <laughs> but, but you know, it'll be the kind of thing of like, let's go see grandpa at the fucking home. Yeah, and, he won't you know, be coherent. Yeah, there's a I'm, little. I'm not going to enjoy my grandkids. I mean, yeah. I, I, I if, uh, if, if, but Manny will knock up a waitress at some point. Yeah, that's uh, true. And um, I, I have this, uh, you know, I hope that there's going to be some. Major breakthrough in medical science. Really? As I get, I, I, I know it's not likely, but it's not ridiculous. Yeah. And that, and that will somehow change the prognosis for what it's like to well, be eighty or eighty-five. I want to be uploaded onto the cloud, like in Black Mirror, and then you well, can, you can talk to your grandkids, like you could be, you'd be on the computer screen as, a, as an uploaded file. My, uh, my father's ninety-one, and uh, it's difficult. It's a tough. It's a tough thing. It's a tough existence, you know. And he and my mom still have uh, the, their house. They're still living there. But every day, it's a, you know, it's a tough thing to make it through the day. But you would love him because he watches Fox News the way Belichick watches Game Take. And he'll call me all the time. And what I'll do is I'll just, 
I'll do the thing like, have you ever had an old dog where you just put your wrist up and let him bite it for a while, you know? I'll come up with a bad point that he could just beat me up on it. <laughs> you know what I mean? Notice, Ron, it had no interest in telling you how old he was. That's all right. I know, that's now, right. Uh, I just, so, just so you know, my take on Fox News. Cause I, cause I'm 59. You're 59? Yeah. Um, I think Fox News, and I've watched Fox News for years. I find it unwatchable. And all the news... It's un- all the news is unwatchable and yet incredibly like I'll I'll go back and forth and watch them both just to see them both acting crazy. I I used to feel Fox basically got a bum rap, and now I think they they, they absolutely deserve it. And I and I'm pretty sure I know the reason. And actually, I spoke to somebody at Fox who was quite anti-Trump, who actually told me I was right about this. And is that uh, when Roger Ailes died, they lost the. The balance. Roger Ailes was a conservative, yeah. but apparently he did value an honest debate. Well, he was not a fraud, and now it seems to be run by hacks. Well, he's uh, he was the guy who brought in the news team that they have, the actual journalists, because most of these networks, I don't think I would say anyone at MSNBC is a journalist. I don't know about CNN, but uh, I can't think of his name. The guy in the daytime, um, Shepard Smith. Yeah, he's a real journalist. Yeah. And he, you know, he moves away from the rest of them. He doesn't uh, lo- walk lockstep. Even, even O'Reilly's show. Now, O'Reilly was a blowhard and, he, yeah. and all those things. But his, the sh- to, to a, I believe that to a, to a guy who likes to see an honest debate, O'Reilly's show was interesting. Mm-hmm. He wasn't like Hannity where you couldn't believe anything out of his mouth and right. there were no stories. Or, or, and Laura Ingram. They, 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 I mean, there was, they're, they're untethered. They're just a- advocates with an agenda. Yeah. O'Reilly, he would if he had an opinion on one thing, he'd say, "Get me the smartest person who disagrees with me. I want to have it out." Right. So even if I, so I like that. You know, there's nothing like that on Fox now. Well, with O'Reilly, it was everything. You know, but the rapes. You have to, you know, go yeah, back to that's, the rapes. Yeah, but that's I get that. But I'm saying yeah. as far as <laughs> yeah. uh, and now on MSNBC, I I, I listen to I, most of them. I listen to my car. Yeah. On Sirius, uh, Brian Williams' show is quite good. I don't know if you heard it. Yeah, I mean, he's on late at night. He's on like eleven thirty at night. I don't like how flowery he gets about stuff. I don't. I think he's a a big fan of Brian Williams, <laughs> and likes to think of himself as, you know, this person who's being historical instead of delivering the news. But uh, but that's all he'll do is have somebody else come on. It's not like any of these guys chase stories or have any idea what they're talking about. You know, they're literally. And then of course I love Joy Reid. You do. <laughs> no, I'm uh, Ron Bennington, what are your thoughts on uh, that uh, Hispanic woman that's causing quite a stir? Uh, what's her name? Ocasio Cortez. No. Rick Ocasio. <laughs> uh, unbelievable. Uh, I can't believe it took this many years. Alexandra. Alexandra Ocasio Cortez. I don't know much about her other than this upset just happened right away, and a lot of young people like her. But it seems like we always get that kind of Bobby Kennedy person who pops up for a little while and then goes away. Well, she's on the. Uh, the uh, abolish ice uh, and abolish private property. Bandwagon. Well, I don't know that. I don't know that she's gone quite that far. Well, she she calls herself a democratic socialist. Whatever what does that, that mean? means. Well, her, her her she wants free education, housing is a right, which I guess means free housing if you can't afford it. Um, but we have uh, a lot of those things already. I mean, we've always. I mean, we have free schooling with elementary. Uh, uh, well, she wants free higher education. Right. But I mean, if you're talking about which I'm about, completely against. When I was a kid, the fucking it wasn't. You didn't go in debt to go to college. You know what I mean? Something happened in the last 30, 40 years 
where suddenly it's expensive and difficult to get into college. But a lot of people didn't go to college back. Now right. it's expected that everybody goes to college so they can study something that they will, in 90% right. of the cases, never use. Now, well, how, well, well, now me, that's interesting that people would say that colleges are liberal when that is a weird thing to do with kids, to get them a debt. Like, I think it, it makes more young people conservative because it has to work for them. They're seventy, eighty thousand dollars in debt. I got a producer, hundred thousand dollars in debt right now. Let me tell you, I actually quite agree with you. My father went to Columbia, even though he dropped out, on the GI Bill. Right. And, 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 so and, my, that's the way my dad went to school. And, and a lot of people got a free education on the yeah. GI Bill. Nobody looks back at that as some sort of socialist handout. Right. And a lot of people used to go to City College in New York, which was free for right. a long the, the time. The GI Bill is not. I mean, they, they they earned it. That was part of their pay for the, for being in the army. No, I, I don't know if that Not was... Not at the time. No, that, yeah. was, that happened after. after World yeah. War II. What are we going to do with all these guys? We got all these guys came back. What are we going to do with them? But I'm, but I'm saying the notion of uh, of a nation paying for the higher education of its citizens, it, it can be quite cost-effective, I think, for the nation. Yeah, assuming they're not right. studying art history and, and oh, stuff so, that nobody... So, so but set most, that up. Fair most, enough. Most people, are, most people go to college, whatever they're learning, they're not going to be using in later life. All right. I mean, I think that's fair to say. And then, and then the and other A comedian part is an extreme case of not using what you learned in school. But, the but, other part uh, of it, I suspect, and the reason it's become so expensive, is because there's so much money available. I mean, basic economics. If you start loaning millions of dollars, they exactly raise the tuition. Right. Exactly right. So nobody's sure. You know, I don't know what the answer to that is. But uh, if, if if there were no more, if there were no more student loans, which I'm not advocating, yeah. you would see tuition just go into a freefall. No, I, I would agree with that, and I don't think it should be ex as expensive. And I. I agree with you that at least the first couple of years should be community college. I don't know why a freshman needs to go across the, the country and live there. Uh, state colleges were pretty cheap when I was a kid. And you could pretty I, much I think drive there's up there. Still, I think the SUNY system and is still reasonable. Um, the SUNY system is still in, in New York. I think it's still like eighteen twenty thousand dollars $20,000. Uh, a year, something along those lines. I think maybe a little less. Well, that kind of debt. I mean, I know I know waitresses who have thirty, forty grand in credit card debt. So yeah, so we we agree about that. So, but but what about abolishing ICE? That's ridiculous. The whole thing is ridiculous. I, I I've had so many arguments. Listen, I I compared on my Facebook page the uh, you know there was that thing that went around where they they actually you could hear the screams of the children in yeah. Texas, and I compared the Republicans who. What's the matter? I compared the Republicans to subjects in a Milgram experiment. You know the Milgram experiment, where for those who know, where they would, it, you, you, you were like administering the shock. The subjects were administering the shock to somebody behind a wall, and they would hear the screams. And a guy in a lab coat would say, "It's okay, another one, another one," until they until they actually thought they were killing them. And a tremendous number of people would do it. And that's what I felt the Republicans were kind of like. They're hearing the screams, and they're still supporting the president. So I'm not soft on this at all. However, when I talk about this, with people constantly. I ask, I ask people a very basic question, and they refuse to answer, which is, what would you do at the border when somebody somebody arrives illegally with a with a child? Yeah. Well, first of all, how long have we even had ICE? I don't ever remember even hearing well, about that. Well, I like think 2003. Years. But it, what it did is, it's like it took it. Like the INS doesn't exist Apparently anymore. Apparently, ICE doesn't even do the stuff at the border. Like I think it's all bullshit. But I, I think ICE is go, goes after the people that are illegal 
aliens that have already come here and that, are, that commit crimes whilst they're here, I think ICE goes after them and deports them. And they, I think and they, also, is, they also save lives. I've heard they've... they've sa- whatever. I mean, we, we are a nation just with totally uninformed people just... Uh, um, you know, pontificating about what should happen. Well, these are difficult things, right? These are difficult things that we expect a, a really quick answer with. Do you think you anybody know? who's calling for the end of ICE could tell you what ICE does? I mean, they don't. They don't know. Yeah, and and why doesn't show up on the news? Why is it? Why do we have these shows that aren't really trying to educate people? Why wouldn't you say tonight there's a documentary on for an hour? Nobody would watch. Nobody would watch. And even we're if, joined by Alan Havey, by and, the way. And, could, and, Hi, and why the call to abolish ICE as opposed to ref- if, if ICE is doing certain things that we don't like, wouldn't the call be to reform ICE? Or wouldn't that be why the immediate jump to abolish ICE as opposed to let's fix ICE if, in fact, it needs fixing? And, and you know, I don't know much about what they do is known. Listen, I, I, I'm I, one of the ignorant masses. Well, but I, I, you know, with all this stuff, I, I find myself thinking well we had a guy here last week who said claimed he was joking that uh, that if you that 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 it would be justified to to kill, shoot to, to shoot, shoot, somebody to shoot it was ICE, a terrorist organization. ICE agents because they're a terrorist no, organization that i think all of much of this comes down to the fact that we have huge generations of people now born into very very privileged even the poor among us very very privileged time in history where they've never really seen anything bad happen, and they and it's all in history books, and they and they and it leads them to a certain complacency about things that somebody, my father's generation, or even my generation, who kind of still was in the the ripple of that generation, who had seen World War II and Korean and death and Soviet Soviet Union, they were much more hard nosed about the world. For instance. The idea in 1960, whenever it was, that uh, it was okay for uh, a nuclear missile to be in Cuba pointing at America, the most left-wing among the co- in, in the country said, well, of course, that's not acceptable. And, and John F. Kennedy, a good liberal, was ready to bring the world almost to the brink of nuclear disaster because this was just unacceptable. Yet today, North Korea can hit Los Angeles, and I bet you uh, an overwhelming majority of the Democratic Party would be like, well, we can live with that. And well, what's the difference? But, Same threat. But you, but the president went over and hugged the guy and said that he's a good guy. He no, just no, looked that, into his that, eyes. That, that, I, I mean, I we don't, don't have to worry it, about him. I don't think any liberal would say, no, that's okay. Yeah, they do. Go. They, they say, do? We, they say we, why do you have to go? Uh, I'm doing a show at your uh, club. Oh, no. So we have a less informed guest well, now. No, no. Can I just say one no, thing? No, I want to say one thing to Ron. Yeah. I, I don't think you cared about what I said before. I think you understood exactly where I was coming from. I am so happy that you become part of the family of the place. I'm such a huge... Fan of yours. Thank I you can't very wait much. to see you stand up. Yeah. And and I, I mean I, I couldn't be a happier outcome. Thank you for, for having us. me. I really appreciate it. Honestly. Fun. Honestly. I'm sure Ron was not insulted by your initial no, I don't think skepticism. I was. That's only normal. You hadn't seen him perform him. Was before. it skepticism? I just I just never I'd never well, seen you, him. You know, <laughs> you you'd want to see somebody that you're putting on at your club. That's no. only natural. While he's still listening, Ron, I don't think Dan's quite getting it. It was that I it's very it it if it didn't work out. It would yeah, okay. be a very uncomfortable situation, and that's why, whatever. Well, but that's it, also understandable. But it worked out great. But like most things with Noam, they tend to work out. Yes, yes. Noam has been lucky so far. Well, well hopefully that will continue. Because he was raised a privileged child. He never saw any ugliness. I was raised privileged. Alan was there. 
Yes. <laughs> I was part of the upbringing. Well, I met Noam. He was already an adult. But, yes. Um, I knew him when he was a young, young man. Alan met me when I was still in college. Exact change. Yes. He had, a, he had a group. He wanted a name. It could call it Exact Change. Yeah, we had to do a meet. Me and Outside Steve's brother. Were you had a band. We had a little duo, like a Simon and Garfunkel-ish oh, yeah. type thing. And we didn't have a name for ourselves. And Alan named us Exact Change. And, and, and we liked that name. Yeah, I was coming back from a gig in Jersey, going through a toll booth. I saw the sign. It stuck. That's where I got it from. All right. Do you, th do you think Ron was what upset? What about Turnpike North? <laughs> do you think Ron was upset? No, not at all. Okay, okay. Not at all. Why would he be upset with a with a perfectly, uh, as I said, logical concern? Is he is he a liberal? No, this uh, is what happened. He no, that's not to do with that. He I told no, him the story liberals that he, are all upset. So you're a liberal. Yeah, I'm upset. <laughs> Dan Dan is actually quite conservative. Well, anyway. I, I'm more of I think in the middle. Maybe you'd no, characterize me as conservative. You're not in the middle. Oh, you're not okay. in the middle, Dan. Well, I don't know. What the, I think the middle has moved. That's and, what my father always you said. You know, so that um, I mean. Is uh, there a middle anymore? Well, there is a middle. Whether anybody's whether it's occupied or not is another story. I think I'm it exists. The, I, I don't know if anybody's living there. I think media has polarized us. I think I'm in the middle, which which many liberals would consider me to be an arch conservative, if that makes any sense. But I think they, they don't even know how far right it does it does go with some people, and I and I think I'm quite in the middle. Yeah. Well, we've seen how far right it goes. We have Nazi marches. Yeah. You know. So that's that's pretty far right. Well, I mean, even even how far right it goes, even with among, uh, among among sane people. Yeah, among sane people, you know. Uh, but um, I feel pretty much in the middle. Like I, you know, I'm I, I pretty I live a pretty tolerant lifestyle and whatever it is. But I but I do believe in um, uh, government staying out of my business and things like that. You know. But on the other hand, gun control poses no problem for you, generally speaking. I'm not, I, I'm not a pro-gun guy. I'm skeptical that, that gun control would have any meaningful... I mean, it would save some lives, but it certainly wouldn't save the kind of lives that everybody's thinking it would save. I think it's... Uh, people want them, they're going to get them. But um, yeah, I have no... I have not like a Second Amendment guy or anything like that. And do you abortion? You're down with abortion, generally speaking. You... you you know. Um, I, you know, I'm having trouble. Are you, you pro-choice? Well, I've, I've, I've committed. Since you've had two children, do you have a I've, different feelings about that? I've been responsible for aborted children, but the older I... Not solely. Uh, you, didn't, you didn't talk a woman into having an abortion, did you? No. no. Okay. You know, you know that's, that's another part of that. I, unbelievably, no woman ever... Um, whatever. Uh, I, I never. I, I've it was always, never a fight. I, no, I, yeah, I was. No, but I never had a woman. Because happened a few times. I never had a woman who like saw an opportunity to get money or anything like that. I, I always right. was treated very decently in those situations. In any, in any event, and and I never tried to talk them into it. But as I get older, as I saw our last ultrasound of our three-month-old fetus sucking its thumb, it's troubling. Oh yeah, yeah. I mean, listen. I believe it comes down. To the choice of the woman having the baby, but you can't tell me that's not a life in there. You, well, then why is it, if it's a life in there? Why does she get to choose? I, you know, because it's her body. It's inside her body. It's her choice whether well, she wants the baby. I don't know. I don't know. But I, but I, I don't think they should overturn Roe versus Wade. But I, I would not be horrified if they were to force a woman to come to that decision as quickly as possible. How are they going to do that though? See, by, um, I, I don't know. You're right. I mean, you don't want to have close anger abortions at any 
at any point, but there is something troubling about the whole thing. And I and and I think Roe versus Wade. I always thought this, even when I was a bleeding heart liberal. Roe versus Wade was wrongly decided because what the hell does Justice Blackman know about when life begins? I mean, he doesn't know. I mean, science science is the enemy of Roe versus Wade, right? Would you agree with that? Yeah, I mean, I, I would agree that it was not for the court to decide. But I but I am. You agree that science is the enemy of Roe versus Wade? Is there, if science, what do you mean by that? Explain what I'm saying. Okay, what could, if science is going to tell us anything, it's going to tell us that this is alive and that it can't really be distinguished. In other words, a a six month old fetus can either be in an incubator, in which case, if you kill it, you'll go to jail for the rest of your life, or in its mother's womb, in which case, the woman has the right to extinguish it. Right. Science would not could not find the justification that it, the environment changes whether or not this is a human life or not. Science would tell you, no, it doesn't well, matter Robert, whether Robert, it doesn't matter Wade whether it's an incubator say, in the womb. It's it's alive, right? Right. Robert Wade says first trimester you can't restrict. First trimester it. you can't restrict. It. Second semester, second trimester, I think you have reasonable restrictions. But we know that a lot of five month old and six month old babies are aborted. So that's and and if we look to the end of life to try to decide when life begins, and I'm no expert on this. There is a, when your heart stops or when your brain no longer has brain waves, right? And if you were to want to use either of those definitions to, when, to say when life starts, it'd be very early in the development. Absolutely. So, uh, you know. Look, we're, we're, there's no right answer. We just have to do what's practical. Uh, well, there might be a right answer that we well, just don't right have answer, the nerve we're not gonna, to, We don't want to face it. Well, or we, we, look, it's like eating animals. You know, I can't, I mean, there's, you could make a good case that that's evil. But it, they just taste too delicious and it's, <laughs> and it's, it's. Have you ever had a baby? <laughs> you ever had a newborn baby? Fried? To eat? Oh, oh. my God. <laughs> They Love are delicious. Them. Yeah. So <laughs> well, tasty. Well, they might be. I've never had one. But um, I just think it's a practical matter. You know, it just would be pandemonium and chaos if, if, you, if you couldn't yeah, well, You know, my father used to say abortion. always, my father used to say, listen, abortion is murder, and it's a murder we're just going to have to allow. <laughs> that was and You can't really argue with that. Was always, he, he never, that was the way he was. He, he, he never had the, 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 he could never pretend that it wasn't alive or anything like that. But he also felt like whatever, you know. I think about your dad a lot these days. And what do you what do you think about? Well, I I started this club at the very beginning, and uh, I remember what your father wanted to happen to this club, and it has far exceeded even his wildest dreams. Which was he wanted a place where comedians loved to come and hang out, even if they weren't performing. He wanted this to be a spot where comedians would gravitate to, and mission accomplished, and then some. Right. You have three rooms here. You have a new room in Las Vegas. You have comedians dying to get in here. There's so many good, young, and not-so-young comedians who are getting into this club. I still say the older ones are better. Thank you. Thank you, Dan. I know you're... Well, I'm thanking me. Well, I mean, I'm, I'm complimenting myself because I'm one of the older ones. I, I, I'll tell you, I don't want to interrupt Alan, but I, I can tell you why they're better. Because the ones who weren't really great dropped out of the business. The, the ones who stay in and are still older, they're fucking good. Is the same reason the Jews are smart? <laughs> I don't know. Because yeah, the, they've been around the, the, the dumb ones converted? Life calls, calls the, uh, the litter. No, no, if you're a comedian and you, like anything, if you work hard at it and you uh, see what you're doing, change your game a little bit, see what's working, what isn't over years of performing, you become better. Yeah. I think it goes with actors too. 
mostly. But depends you know, on the material. There's, there's some comedians, I don't want to say who they are, but I've seen no, them. No, we won't mention names. Who, a big part of their appeal somehow was related to their youth, to their looks, to their kind of playing on what was trendy at the time. Their, you know, their point of view as a young person. Yeah, yeah, hooking into pop culture. And, and a lot of them all of a sudden just stopped becoming funny in a way when they hit 35 or whatever it was. And the other guys were just fucking funny. And, and then somebody like Alan, you know, a little bit older than I am, it does, it, it's the same Alan as it was at 25. Yeah, but... Because you were funny. New material. Right, but I'm... Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I don't want people to think... <laughs> well, I, I find myself... But you know what I mean, I right? find myself yes. extra motivated because I, it's, it's bad enough that they say I'm not funny. It's even worse if they say I'm old and not funny. And so I feel extra motivated so that these, these younger people won't look at me like, oh my God, is he still doing this? I feel an extra motivation to continue to write... So that they won't say this, this old guy is just kind of no, giving you're up. Just funny. Gilbert Godfrey. But I'm saying I still write because I don't want the younger comics looking at me like, oh, Christ, this joke again? All right, whatever now, it takes. Now, granted, I have a lot of old fucking jokes, but I try to continue to write new jokes. First because of all, I can't consider you an old comic somehow. I, I no, I, I don't look at you as an old comic. Well, I don't I, give a damn what young comedians think. I'm tired of listening to stuff, and I want to change. But I still love connecting with an audience. And I look out in the audience, and you do this too, Dan. Young people laugh at what's funny. It's not because uh, they only uh, don't laugh at, at, at older comedians. They laugh at young comedians, but they laugh at anybody who is funny. That's right. I, I walked through. No, yeah, now, I agree with you there. I walked through just to go to the bathroom a little while ago. You were on stage. I don't know if you saw me. No. And, and I didn't really hear the joke. But the waiter was, it's a waiter, like 25-year-old waiter was putting in the order. And I saw he, he, he couldn't contain his laughter. And he must have seen you a million times, yeah. you know? And I said, hey, fucking Alan Havey, you know? This, this, this. Well, you always, uh, you got to throw in something new. And you, I'm always open to, like, new things happening up there. He was probably laughing at something I was riffing with the audience with. Because that's where you get your biggest laughs. Yeah. Something that they know is spontaneous, you know? Because it surprises them. So we're almost at his house. I saw Gilbert, God Gilbert Godfrey did this yes. Netflix thing with uh, yes. Mattel and um, right, yeah. Jeff Ross. A the, days ago. Uh, the dueling mics or whatever. Yeah. Bumping mics. He was so Well, he's funny. one of my favorites. I, I mean, him. he is a gem, you know? I mean, he is hit or miss because he's, you know, he, he, he's really a risk taker in a way. And he's all in. But he was on, and my God, did I enjoy him. He was just so funny. And he's up in years, right? When I started in 81, he was the man. It was him and Rick Overton, a few other guys, but Gilbert, since I've been in this business, has always been extremely funny. I mean, he's really funny. Yeah. He's but he great. never works here. Very seldom comes. I mean, he comes here and, and has wings or whatever, but I, I he doesn't go on stage very often. He's not doing he doesn't love stand up. Does he put it in the veils in? I don't, I don't he think doesn't he put does. a veils in. We'd, no. we'd put him on, of course. But he does like when Artie Lang does a show or yeah. Mattel does a show. He'll, he'll come down for special shows. But I don't think he's like a working comic anymore. I, I don't no, know. he's on the road all the time. Is he on the road? Because he's trying to make money. But just to do a set to work shit out, I don't see him doing that. Now, I, I didn't know he goes on the road. I, oh, he's, yes, he's on the road. That's so how he, he makes he, his he, money. He does an hour or an hour and a half. Yeah. He's oh, always oh, doing clubs and shit. I, I didn't you know. know that. Not in New York, right? No, but he's on the road. He's going around you know, you know the country. Anyway. I try to stay off the road as much as possible. No cruise ships, you know. I have a few road places I work. I come here I, I, at Hermosa, 
And uh, then I, thank God, I've been getting acting work the last five, six years. You're in Billions? Is that right? Yeah. So that's nice. So, see, that's what I wanted to do when I started in 81. I wanted to be an actor, and then I was lived near the improv in Hell's Kitchen. I go, this is these guys get up immediately. They don't have to audition. They don't have to worry about getting a part. You don't have to starve. They're getting up and making people laugh. So, Such a small world, because I remember when the bar was here, you were telling me the story about your friend of yours had written this script for Rounders. It was, it was a great, the greatest script right. that you would ever Yeah, see. one of the you best. Ever... I, I have a friend, Brian, and he and his yeah, partner, Brian David. Yeah. yeah, I was going to... I was going to oh, use that way. <laughs> you just fucked up the Wait, whole story, did, Dan. Did you say rounders and, already? Yeah. yeah. Well, he already gave it away. I know, but I'm telling the story. Uh, go ahead. Go ahead. Pre so happen. my friend Brian and David, they spent a year writing the script, and I've known Brian since he was 19. He sent it to me, and I sat down, and I'm telling you, I've read a lot of scripts, and I just went through this. It was just compelling, interesting. I called him. I go, you guys are going to sell this. This is one of the best scripts I've ever read. Cold. And it was Rounders. It was Brian Koppelman, David Levine. They've done a lot of films, television, and now they're the showrunners and creators of Billions yeah. on TV. But the but so then the thing is that it turns out I actually went to college with him at Tufts. I, at Tufts, I didn't know him at Tufts. He he discovered Tracy Chapman, mm -hmm. and then who I knew at Tufts, and then we had the same girlfriend. Remember Ann Akins? Yeah, that was Brian or David. Brian. Okay. I, I dated her first. Uh huh. And uh, of course you did. <laughs> <laughs> So, and so it's just like, you know, there's all these... It's the, funny how we don't mention comedians, so Ann Akins. You can say her whole name. I can say Ann Akins. Okay. Why can't... Why can, she no. Think, I don't think she'd care. Okay. So, uh, so anyway, so it's a small... I had a huge crush on Ann. Did you? Yes. You went to Touch too? Uh, no. No, no. This no. Was, she was a waitress here. I went to college here. At the Alan, in those days, if you had a huge crush on Ann, you would have had her. And, I mean, Alan, Alan no, nobody could hold a candle to Alan. Oh, Alan. no, no. I, I minded my own business. Well, maybe because you were, you were um, you know. Busy? Uh, you, you were showing forbearance. Yes. <laughs> yeah, but, uh, you could have had her. Uh, well, she, I didn't want to have her. I wanted to have a relationship with her, no. Yeah, and I shouldn't say you could have had her because she, she, was, she wasn't uh, an easy girl. But I'm just saying that Alan was, Alan was quite the, a star and handsome and, and you know, whatever. It's, it's amazing. And now? Still, he's still oh, handsome. Thank you. <laughs> but it's, it's, it is weird when I think about the time that it's gone by. You know, like how many years ago I, I met you and how long I've been in the business. A lot of these comedians saw me when they were in junior high, high school. Some of them grade school. Yeah. And But I still feel green. You know, I still feel like desirable. I still want to be improve myself as a comedian. That's why I'm going to Edinburgh in August. I'm going to the Fringe Fest. Well, and then we got to end. But, the, the, what, you know, as I'm getting older, I think about this, and, and, and clearly we all think about it, which is that not everybody ages the same way. And I, and I have friends my age now who I already see them becoming old men. You yeah. Know, you could just see it. How old are you? I'm 55. Yeah. Uh, my father never got old. He never, no. never. Like, if, if, he had, if he had maintained his physical appearance, you would not be able to distinguish him from a 30-year-old. Nope. Even in his 70s. His energy was great because he was curious. He liked what he did. And, uh, curious he, is a good word. Yes, and that's what Brian is. Yeah. Brian Koppelman. He's always been a curious guy, and he's interested in all aspects of life, not just filmmaking or music with Tracy Chapman. He's interested in everything. Yeah. And it keeps him young and occupied and... And you're, you're always learning something, and that keeps you young. So, 
to, to end it, you'll, I might have told you this story, but, you know, the, the girl who sings to me sometimes in the Olive Tree, Sasha Allen, mm -hmm. she tours with the Rolling Stones now, and she sings Give Me Shelter with the Stones. It's a, it's right. a big deal. And I said, wow, the Stones. Uh, do they still rehearse? Did I tell you this? She says, rehearse? They rehearse. Keith Richards records the rehearsals, then listens to the recordings, goes back to them, gives them notes on what they, you know, and they're doing the same songs they've been playing for 30. So here's this guy moving up on 80, I guess. I mean, he's in his 70s and is still taking satisfaction, the song, as seriously as he took it in 1965. And that's why they're still fucking out there. That's Absolutely. why they can still do it. You, uh, any good comedian, like Matteo Lane, just talking to him the other day, after a show, he goes back, listens to the recording, takes notes. Not a lot of comedians are doing that. Yeah. You know, the comedians that are successful, like Jerry Seinfeld, are working it. He, they're constantly working and writing new stuff and listening to the things going over. So yeah. once you stop, you stagnate, and you can get by with it for a while. I'm sure a lot of rock bands could. Right. But uh, they have a standard. Yeah, you become a hack. Yes. That's, I think that's when you become a hack. All right. Thank you, Alan. Thank you, Ron Bennington. Uh, thank you, Dan. Good night, everybody. Good night. <laughs>